0: Welcome to This Week in Sparkling Water. My name is Yuwa Kimayakson, and I'm the host of This Week in Sparkling Water. It's weird, There's like a bi- I feel super self-conscious today. There's a weird built-in contradiction here, because um, on the one hand, I sit down and I do this because I want just people I feel close to that it's hard to stay in touch with. I want them to listen to it and then respond and talk to me about stuff that I'm thinking about. But on the other hand, I also can only do this if I get myself to a mind state where I feel truly alone, because as we've covered, I am completely incapable of talking about my feelings or being honest if I feel like there's another human being within 200 feet. And then maybe I found this little hack where like, I do feel like I can be alone with a microphone and it works, but I'm struggling with that because people have been talking to me a lot about things I've been talking about. So it feels like those people are here, you know? And that's... (laughs) I've been... Um, I've been listening to the Lex Friedman podcast a lot and it's funny because he's like this nerdy sort of intellectual guy with a PhD in computer science and he just talks about whatever nerdy thing he wants to talk about. And then for some reason he, he references the movie fight club a lot, (laughs) which I think I think it's so funny because I want to reference the movie fight club, but I'm too much of a coward because it feels like the ultimate toxic bro it just feels like the most juvenile thing to reference. I'm very sensitive about referencing the movie Fight Club. Um, <clears throat> but I was what I was going to reference about the movie Fight Club now that I am going to do because Lex Friedman has created a permission structure. He paved the way. <clears throat> I listened to some episode where he was like, someone asked him like, hey, what, what song would you play? if you knew you were dying in a moment, like what song would you want to die to? If you were like dying in a cup in two minutes and you had your phone in your hand and you could like put on any song and he'd like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I'd put on where's my mind by the pixies. Cause it's like the song in the end of fight club. When the buildings come down, it's just like a good song for like apocalypse. It's like a good apocalypse soundtrack. And it's like the song and the movie are the same thing in, in terms of, They're not cool. Like, that's not a cool answer, but it might be a good answer. And there's something there, man. There's something about getting older and being more honest with yourself and just admitting that maybe the truth isn't cool, you know? Maybe my answer isn't cool and maybe that's all right. And there's something about true maturity and how it connects to being juvenile, because what I was going to say is <clears throat> that in Fight Club, there's this one thing of the main character goes to these support groups and the person is just makes up a fake name, puts on a name tag, sits in this circle with these people who are dying from cancer and the main character pretends to be dying from cancer and then they all share and they cry and he just feels this incredible sense of relief in the anonymous space of pretending to have cancer and... Just letting it out and pretending to get to be that sad. And it's really a quite like it's, it's both in the book, it's written in this really sort of shallow way. And in the movie, it's like has this sort of shallow quality to it. But it's really quite, quite profound just to, to get to have a space where you feel your feelings or whatever. And then it falls apart when the main character realizes that there's another faker in the group um, because he goes to all these different support groups. And then there's this woman, this Marla Singer character, who also shows up and it's like his insomnia comes back because his insomnia is cured by the crying, just the the being allowed to truly deeply cry in the arms of another man who is also dying from cancer and to just feel so sad and to cry and the release of all that crying helps him, and then he can go home, and he can just sleep. And then this other faker shows up, and then he doesn't no longer, he feels like someone is looking, can see through his his faking, and then he can't cry. And then it's all bottled up inside of him again, and it can't come out. And he feels like shit again. And he can't sleep. And then everything's written in this, like, really 90s way of, like, Everything is a is a Kinko copy of a Kinko copy of a Kinko copy. You yeah. know? It's like, okay. Um. But yeah, it feels a little bit, I don't know. In this moment, I feel a little bit like that. Like my things are bottled up and my normal way of how I let them out. I don't know. I think I just have to work through it. Maybe we'll start by talking about a shallow thing, which is like, I bit last episode I talked about problems of capitalism and it's, there is this one problem with capitalism that really gets to me and it's like a true luxury problem, but it is just, it's this thing of how <clears throat> in life we look for things that we like. We look for things that spark joy in the parlance of uh, KonMari, Marie Marie Coney Island or whatever her name is, the Kunmari method, objects that spark joy. And it's rare to find an object that sparks joy, and most of our objects don't. And when we're in a store thinking about buying something, it's really hard to hold up an object and decide, is this going to be something that if I have this in my house, it will spark joy? Because everything about the psychology behind how they set up a store is to trick you into believing that it will spark joy in you. So, everything about the mirror in the fitting room, everything about the lighting. And actually, so, one thing that I, a really clear example for me is like the store Uniqlo is my favorite clothing store. And they only have two of them in America or something. And I've never been to them in America, I think. I think they only have one in Los Angeles and New York, and that's it. But you can buy stuff online. But they are all over China. So in China, I would always go to Uniqlo. And then they have this thing where they sell socks. And they sell socks in 50 colors. So it's just one very clean, clear, normal, high-quality cotton sock that they have these... Beautiful shelves where they stack them in a gradient. And it's something about the presentation of all of them together is so incredibly beautiful that when you look at the socks that come in fifty different colors and you look at the the gradient of like pink to redder, pink to redder, pink to redder, pink to, to right between red and pink to red that's a little bit pink to red and then in every color going like that, when you look at them all together, they all are so beautiful together that you feel this strong urge to like, I could buy any, like these are all so beautiful, I'll buy any one of them. But then when you buy one of them and take it out of the context of the store and you come home with it, you're like, fuck this, this this fucking brown sock, this sucks. So I ended up buying a ton of socks from them, but two of them, two shades are perfect out of those 50 shades that are on there there's actually two it's like an easter egg it's like a hidden easter egg where it's impossible to look at all 50 together and pick out which two shades are the ones that on my feet outside of the context of the store i will love them but i bought so many that i actually came upon the two shades and it's one it's like a bright blue green teal it's just like this really vivid bright lively teal that goes with everything and then the other is a pink red orange that's just like right in between all of it and i cannot in words express to you part of the problem is that i cannot in words express to you the good color but there are two good colors so after like years of buying these socks and then you have to wear them a lot to really realize like this i really fucking love this sock this shade This color is awesome and I really, every time I put on socks, I actually, subconsciously I'm looking for this sock and I just wish to come upon this sock and it sparks so much joy. After like years, I realized that these are the socks I want. So then I go on the website and I'm like, I've gotten to this point in my life and this is the second part of what I'm ranting about here. It's difficult to find things that spark joy and then when we find them, at at a certain point when you've like established yourself and you calm down and you make enough money and you just want to build a, a, a nice life where you know you're less interested in exploring and now you're more interested in building and nesting and when you get to the nesting part of your life, you just want to pick out those things that you know spark joy and you want to buy 20 of them. So I go on the website and I'm like, I have these two shades that I bought probably four years ago and now... I'm at a point in my life where I just want to buy 30 of each, 30 pairs of each shade of of these two shades that are great shades. And I go on the website and they have changed it out. So they no longer have those 50 shades. They have 50 new shades. And that's the problem. That's the problem with capitalism. You can't force them to keep doing it, you know? You can't force them to keep offering the thing you want. And it's like, as a person that sells food for a living, I run into this all the time. Where it's like, to maximize our sales and to survive as a business, we have to just keep changing everything out. But then you get to these people that are like, but this is my comfort food. People that show up and they're like, but but, that's, but, but I come here, like I'm at the part of my life where I don't want to try new things. I'm nesting. I just want to be... I just want to nest and I just want to have the same socks on every day and I just want to eat the same food every day. And I found a food that I like here at this restaurant and now you're telling me you don't offer it anymore? And it's like a true flaw in our system. Because you can't force businesses to keep something going. That doesn't make any sense. So we don't have the choice of truly nesting. I don't know. Maybe we do. Maybe I just have to be quicker. I just have to go quicker. Because here it took me like four years. It was like four years after buying the sock that I was like, I want 30 of it. Maybe I just... Because what I did then is like, I go on Uniqlo website and they have 50 new colors. And I was like, I'm lost. I'm exploring again. I hate exploring. I just want to nest. But so I buy 12 different ones, 12 different pairs, just having no idea which one will spark joy. Also, I'm not, I'm looking at them on a website, like the color, how is a color represented on the website? It's crazy. But so I get it to my house and then I'm looking at them now. Actually, I have one of the 12 socks. I have one of the 12 socks on the microphone right now as a pop filter to get the B's and the P's to calm down a little bit and be less of a plosive. Um... <clears throat> So now I just have to do it quicker. I just have to decide quicker. What sparks joy? And then you go, and then you pull the trigger. It's the same thing with like a mouse, a computer mouse. It's like an extremely tactile thing that for me, I'm extremely picky with it. The way it feels, I just need it to not feel. what I need. I need to sit on the computer and look at my to-do list and go through my to-do list and organize my to-do list really, really quick. And at no point do do I want to look down at my mouse and be like, "Ah, this mouse is, doesn't feel seamless between me and the to-do list. I just really want to embody my to-do list without, I want to neural link it. You know, I just want to be in there in the computer with the to-do list, to-do list. And, um, I have, there's this mouse that I think is perfect. It's made by this Danish company called Steel Series. And then um, they discontinued it. And um, now they only have computer mice, computer mouses. That have like RGB, which is what the kids call it. The kids call it RGB, which is these like bright colored, all the different colors of the rainbow neon lights inside of the device, and it's like Jesus Christ. I'm 36 years old this year. Like I cannot be seen using computer equipment that has bright neon lights in it. Like I'm a like I'm a pro gamer. <clears throat> Because then people will know that I, my hands are always sweaty. My hands are always sweaty, dude. And if you got neon-colored computer equipment, you look like someone with drippy, drippy mitts. At work, we um, in the beginning of every shift, the manager creates sections for the servers, and the sections are closely related to who's make, who makes the most money. Like if you get the section where you have all the dining room tables, you're going to make so much money because people who sit down in the dining room are much more likely to go big and order appetizers and order the expensive mains and get like bottles of wine and get a check that's like more than a hundred bucks per person. Whereas people who sit in the bar are maybe not going to eat food at all. And if they eat food, it's like maybe a thing of chips and guac. So it's closely related to your money. So it's, it's extremely political. It's second only to the schedule making in terms of politics. Hyper political. And um, so all the managers in the past were always very reticent to get involved and create this man- schedule, uh, the sections, but they had to. And then you have to also decide who gets what. And it's so political. And then now I'm a manager, but I'm also a server. So it's extremely political because I'm, part of it i like it's like rawls veil of ignorance that i always talk about where like we should create society we should first develop society and pretend like we don't know what we will be born as in this society we have to give we have to put a veil of ignorance over ourselves when we create society we can't be like oh i was born a rich white guy so i want to create a society where rich white guys have it good we have to be like it's okay that some people are poor or and some people are richer, but no one should probably be completely destitute anyway. So like what I instituted is that I show up, I make the sections right away and then I have created a lottery system where I just have people, I number the sections and I have them pull it out of my hand and then all the servers, um, pull a section pull a fucking a number out of my hand and then i realized that everyone makes fun of me because my hands are always sweaty when they do that because i got super drippy mitts bro oh oh it's a prison everything is a prison everything feels like a prison honesty feels like a prison and lying feels like a prison so, what was I saying? Like, how did I start saying that? I don't know. But there's also a related thing, which is like, when I started working at this restaurant, we have to wear denim. And everyone hates it because you have to wear denim, dark denim pants and lighter denim shirts. Because the concept is an early California, early California fine dining kind of thing when California was controlled by Mexico, locally sourced, all made in-house. So I go on Amazon and I buy all these different denim shirts. And then one of them I really like because it doesn't have a collar. It has like this Mandarin collar. I'm wearing one right now, which is why I'm talking like this. And also it's sort of like um, cinched at the waist. It's just like a little bit tight where I think it flatters my figure. And so... I get two of them and they're good and so I get two more and then I got pen ink over them like slowly as you wear them a lot they just wear down real quick so I go back on the website and I'm like "All right, better get five more since I really like this one and then they've discontinued it. It's like oh my god, oh my god, I was trying to be quick, I bought it, the first time I bought it was like five months ago, how is it gone already? I feel so self-conscious today. I hate this episode. So, let's drink a water real quick. No. No. I always rely on that when I feel bad during while recording the podcast, I drink a water. Let's just let's just sit with our bad feelings. Let's just feel bad. Let's just go to the next terrible topic. So, this is a really painful topic. When I've I did a a long episode on how everyone calls me different things and how every restaurant I worked at in Seattle, I would introduce myself as something new and how, like, at the first restaurant, I would... Oh, God, this is like so many layers of bad feeling on top of each other because I hate talking about this, and also I feel like I'm repeating myself. And those two things at the same time is really, really creating some downward pressure. It's really... We got some weather coming in. I feel like there's a couple of atmospheres of pressure on the on the crown of my skull right now, but okay, so my first restaurant job in America I introduced myself as Joey. Yeah. And I hate that name. And that's what I did and everyone called me Joey, and it was a mistake, and it's something that happened. Honestly, no. The first, my first restaurant job was actually Chipotle that I, where I, yeah. And there I actually introduced myself as Joaquin. It's so fucking lame. God, I want you guys to know that I know what you're thinking. I know that you're thinking that I am an insufferable person and that this is unacceptable. Everything about this is unacceptable. Oh, God, God, I feel so bad right now. So, so one, the way my avoidance personality sort of plays in here is like when I feel like I make a mistake like this, I, I strongly feel like the solution is to just cut all ties with everything and just start over and go somewhere new and just stick my hand out and be like, my name is Joe Akim. And pretend like I have no other friends. You're the first person I've ever met. I'm going to ignore everyone else now. I'm just going to get new friends. I'm going to tell them my name is Joachim and I'm, we're just going to start over. I'm going to be a new person now. And so the thing is that, that I'm still friends with Julie and I don't think it's fair to, I don't think it's healthy to cut all ties with Julie, just because the first time I introduced myself in the context where I met her, I used the wrong name. And I've honestly tried to get her. Here's the thing. Turns out it's impossible to get people to change. It, you can't change names, turns out. Because I told her a while ago like that I just wanted to change it. And it just didn't work. The mental groove is too deep. The habit is too ingrained. And then, God, I'm so grateful that Marissa, that I lived with in Seattle, who is just one of my closest friends from the Seattle area, the Seattle era, for some reason, I just, she calls me Joachim, and I just feel okay with it all. I'm so grateful. Why do I hate the name so much? Why do I hate the name Joey so much? I don't know. It's something about. It's something about just. I don't know. I think it just doesn't sound like a smart person. I think, honestly, I believe that in a context where people call me Joey, they think I'm not smart. So, in that context, I will never meet. A partner that will respect me, that I'll have a good relationship with, a good romantic partner. And so, if everyone calls me Joey, I'll die alone. Whereas, if I can just get everyone to call me Joachim, I'll meet someone who will be like, Hi, Joachim, you want to get married? And then we'll have a good marriage. I think that's truly what it's about. It's about my fear of dying alone. Is that true? That cannot possibly be true. Let's drink a water about it. So today we're doing three brands that we've done before, but we're doing the three flavors from it that don't pair up with anything else. So this brand is Mad Tasty. 20 milligrams of hemp extract in here, pure sparkling water, zero sugar. This is the name of the flavor. Check this out. Unicorn Tears. Ain't no way I'm finding unicorn tears from two other companies, so... This is going to have to, ooh, that smells really nice because it just smells like grapefruit and stuff like that. Ooh, that's just a blend of citrus together with a little bit of, a little bit of hempy earthiness. That's fucking delicious. Oh, I'm so ready to hate something called unicorn tears, but... If you pull it off, then tip of the hat, wag of the finger, you know, then you did a good job. That's wonderful. That's a 10 out of 10. Hmm. If you ever see that in the store, buy it. Wow. That is so fresh. Fresh and mature. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason I bring up this name thing is because, hmm, yeah, I've been thinking about it always. I think 15 years ago when I moved to Shanghai, I think I accidentally introduced, that's the original sin. That's when I, that's when I did it. That's when I just literally introduced myself as Joey because I thought that I was I was less concerned about authenticity and I was more concerned with, what's the word? Integration. No, not integration. That's a super confusing word in this context. No, um, fitting in. I didn't worry so much about me, I just really wanted to bend to the will of the group, and for the group to accept me. And so I culturally translated my entire personality into something that they would understand, because I just wanted to be part of something there. And I gave up so much of myself And I created like a completely separate personality. And then ever since it's been this journey of returning back to, I just want to be, I don't know. My therapist in Seattle always talked about how my problem is a problem of disintegration. Like where I have all these separate personalities that don't um, come together into this one thing. And I have so much anxiety because I worry about how it's all going to explode. And it's, I don't know. I mean, you can, there's a Seinfeld episode about where George talks about the different worlds theory, different Georges. George Costanza with his wife, girlfriend is different than George Costanza with his friends. And they're two different worlds and he doesn't want the worlds to collide. That's what he keeps saying. And that's the problem. That's a problematic worldview. Because in the end, true peace comes from being one person. Because I am so anxious about being in the room with my mom and having one of my friends walk in. Or being in the room with Javi and having one of my coworkers walk in. Being in the room with X and having Y walk in. And they're like 10 different of me. And it's so. It's the source of so much anxiety. And then. The reason I'm talking about this now is because I sent this message to Javi two days ago. Javi and Ice Boy Plumbing are the two people I started off with. I just sent them these voice messages on Signal where I was like, okay, check this out, guys. I want to try something new. I'm going to try to discontinue the name Joey. And (laughs) Ice Boy Plumbing is ever the comedian and ever the good guy. And he's just such a wonderful man. And he just sends me this response where he's like, I got you, Joey. (laughs) And it just really, it just really hit the right way. It just really hit the right way. Because the problem is that what I'm hiding here is that for some reason, this is something I take so seriously. For some reason, this is like, maybe, like, I don't know anything else that gives me more anxiety than this. It's crazy how much anxiety it gives me. And I've probably been wanting to send that voice message for years. But I just never knew how to... Frame it, or how to bring it up, or I just was so anxious about it, and I finally came up with some excuses for why I was like, I'm older, it feels like a young a young person's name, and then I said some other things that I can't talk about on the pod just yet but but the point is that like when I was gonna send that voice message to Javi. All of my avoidance personality kicks in and every every cell in my body changes shape into an arrow pointing away from the situation. And every part of my body just wants to go away from the situation. And my um, instinct is to just be like, no, 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 this is a bad idea. You don't have to send this voice message. The voice message. Instead, you should just get new friends. And so I was going to go outside and I was like, I'll go to my car. I'll sit in my car and I'll send the voice message. This is how I'm procrastinating and avoiding doing it and making this plan in my head. I'll like, I'll go to my car. I'll sit in my car. I'll send the voice message and then I'll go do my errands. And so what happened is I go to my car and then I just sat in the driver's seat of my car for 45 minutes in silence, just sitting there. Just waiting for something. And then I did actually send it. And then here's the fascinating thing God, I wish I could. I, I wish I could identify what is that flavor in this water? Hemp extract, natural flavors, citric acid. It's a secret. It's a flavor that I recognize, but it's a secret. And they just call it unicorn tears. Hmm. Um, Here's the part. Here's the crazy part. At like 2 p.m. I send this message to Javi and I'm like, Javi, I don't, I want to, I feel like Uncle Joachim now, you know, I'm older. There's this, there's that. I just don't relate to the name Joey anymore. I want to discontinue the name Joey. I'm going to try this out, see if this works. And I'm pretending to be casual about it, but I'm not casual about it. Okay. And then two hours later, Javi comes home and he's like, I got your voice message. And then he hears the thing in the, it was like, a, I sent him like a five minute voice message because I said that thing in the beginning about the name. And then in the second half, there was like this other complicated thing about the house. And then he comes home and he's like, I got your voice message. Um, and he, we start talking about the stuff that I talked about in the second half of the voice message, thus affirming that he's heard the whole voice message. But here's the thing it turned into like a nervous tick for him. It turned into Tourette's where he has. I think, Oh God, this makes me feel so bad. There's so many things here happening at the same time in my brain. First of all, I hate repeating myself. And I was hanging out with Katie yesterday and I already told Katie the story. I think I have to tell her that she's not allowed to listen to this, this episode. Yeah, I think I'm going to do that. <laughs> Because I can't, I can't, I can't talk about this. Javi called me Joey 40 times in 10 sentences, in 30 seconds after coming home, after me telling him. Why do I feel like this? What does it mean? Why is it so important to me? I hate this episode. In this moment, I just want to discontinue everything. In this moment, I want to stop doing the podcast, quit my job, move away from California, get a new phone number, move somewhere else, walk in somewhere else, say, can I rent this place, live there? Walk into a new restaurant, say, can I work here? My name is Joe. Oh, oh my God. I almost, <laughs> I almost said Joey. <laughs> okay. Scratch that. We're starting over again. I accidentally said Joey when I went to Arizona and started a new life. I accidentally introduced myself as Joey again. Scratched everything. We're moving to Nevada now. Third time. Okay, we got to do it again. Going to Nevada. Get a new rental. Get a new job. Get a new phone number. Starting over from the beginning. Keep none of your friends. Start over completely from the beginning. Start over. Okay, I made a mistake again. Start over again. Start over again. It's like, that's why it doesn't work. We have to be okay with our mistakes. Is that why it doesn't work? Yeah, I think that's why it doesn't work. We can't just cut our losses every time we make a mistake. Oh, God. I just want to start over. The mental habit of starting over is a very deep groove in my mind. It's very hard to to get the old wheelbarrow track out of that deep deep track. The wheelbarrow wheel, I mean, out of the track that it's in. It's in this ditch. I've lived my whole life in this ditch. Yeah. I don't know. I wish I had something more meaningful to say about it, but... I just don't even know why it's so important to me, but it is. And it stresses me out more than anything. It's interesting. Very interesting. But, um, yeah, I was hanging out with Katie yesterday, and we had... Dinner, And she's like, yeah, I'd listen to the podcast. And she responded, she, um, what's it called? Just had thoughts about different things I talked about. And it was very nice to just have a conversation about all the things I'm interested in and stuff. And, and, you know, there's... Deeply cascading new thoughts about all of the responses and my responses to her responses. And there's a thousand things I could talk about. But the one thing I want to say about what she said is that she, she was like, oh, I feel so stupid listening to your podcast because you read so much. And I just have to say that that's not true. And, and it's just factually not true. I don't read. Reading for pleasure. I have so many thoughts about it, but they're all kind of uninteresting. But I think I'm extremely concerned about reputation. And reputation is a multi-sided coin. And it's a multi-edged sword. And the most prison-like part of reputation is when you build a reputation that's not true. Every part of reputation is a prison, but but, literally imposter syndrome part of reputation is the worst part. And I think it's truly liberating. What, what I've learned from AA is kind of like, like what you learn in the 12 steps is like, your biggest fear of what people will find out about you is something that they actually don't really give a shit about. And they won't actually give a shit. Because their take on you and the th- stuff about you that they would judge the most is mostly informed by their, uh, by their own issues of themselves. So they don't actually give a shit about your insecurities. So I think admitting... Like, I think I read zero books for pleasure last year. Now, there's a little bit of an excuse there where, like, I was last year... Um, sort of proofreading and polishing this 82,000 word document that I published as a novel after that. And on one level, I do have this conception of the creative process where in the early, like when you make a piece of art in the early stages of making a piece of art, it's very helpful to get input from other similar pieces of art. Like I would write and I would feel stuck and I would feel like I don't have anything fun or beautiful or interesting to say about this. And then I'd turn around and reach over to the bookcase and I'd pick out a Joan Didion. I would just read two pages of Joan Didion and then come across a sentence that's so beautiful that I have all these like just just beautiful feelings and inspiration that that come into me. And, <clears throat> and then I turn back around and I, I keep working on my own thing inspired by her thing and that's that's a thing where and it's really honestly it's inspired by um I almost said John Wayne, Lil Wayne. <laughs> the two Waynes, J- the John Wayne and the Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne the rapper has this one interview where the interviewer is like, "What do you listen to, Lil Wayne?" And Lil Wayne was like, "Dude, I listen to me, bro." And then they show this footage where he's on the tour bus and And the speakers are blasting and there's like half-naked women everywhere. And he's just sulking, smoking weed in his tour bus, listening to his own song, lazily rapping along. And um, and there's something there about that where it's like to truly, because there's the first half of the prod process of creating art is to stand on the shoulder of giants and to build on the unbroken line of everything that was made before you. But the second half of the creative process is that you do have to make it your own. And on that during that stage of the creative process, I do think you have to sequester yourself away from sequester yourself away from outside influences. And you just have to not do it because at that point it just turns into like when I'm polishing something that's almost finished, if I read Joan Didion and find a perfect phrase in there to put in my own thing, then I'm just stealing. Ah, This, for some reason, that also reminds me of this other fascinating thing I saw on, on the internet somewhere where like, Lil Wayne was interviewed by Eminem on like Eminem's podcast or something. I don't actually know where this happened. I don't I think that I think Eminem has a radio station, shade 45 or something, and I think maybe he's just on there sometimes. And so he's on there and he's talking to Lil Wayne. And one of them, I don't even remember who brought it up first, but one of them is like. One of them says, I have put out so many songs and written so many things and so many rhymes that sometimes I don't know if I've already said something that sometimes I have to just go on Google. Like Lil Wayne is like, sometimes I have to just go on Google and Google Lil Wayne lyrics and then a phrase that he just thought of to see if, have I already said that? Is that going to come up? Like, do I get a hit on a song I made 18 years ago, where I said that exact phrase, that exact rhyme. And then the other guy, Eminem, is like, Oh shit, I did that this morning. I Googled my own name and lyrics and a phrase. Cause they, (laughs) it's such a funny concept to have a celebrity that have a celebrity has part of their creative process is to Google themselves to just make sure that they've never done it before, which is such a convenient modern tool because you know, um, Honoré Balzac, the French early 1900s author who wrote, who famously wrote like just a lot. He was extremely pro- prolific. He wrote like 300 novels. I'm, I mean, informed by the Lil Wayne, uh, Eminem conversation, Honoré Balzac must have been sitting there in 1940 or 1931 or whatever. When did he write his books? I don't know. Um, He must have been sitting there at quite a few points being like, have I already written this? But then he's a French guy, so he doesn't give a fuck. Totally unconcerned about what people think about him. Completely not worried about repeating himself. Not consumed by shame and reputational worries about repeating themselves. Like me. Um, and then he didn't, it it was pre-Google is what I'm saying. So he couldn't Google himself because it was, it was pre-Google. Also, mm, novels are more and more Googleable, actually. Like not that you can sit and read an entire novel on Google, but, but they, anything that's on Google books is somehow, you can, if you Google a phrase from a book, it shows up. Weirdly. Uh, What was I talking about? Yeah, so I don't read. I don't read. And honestly, how I don't read for pleasure, how I don't read books for pleasure is like, if I'm just being completely honest and letting go of everything and letting go of all uh, posturing and all reputational worry, I think this is the main reason for why I'm letting go of everything. I don't, I don't think I am a novelist. I'm a, I'm a human being who published a novel, but I think the thing that makes me not a novelist is I don't really read novels. And I think the excuse of being like, I don't want to be, I just want to make my own thing and not be influenced by other things and that stuff. Bitch, I listen to me, like Lil Wayne said. I think the bitch, I listen to me excuse only takes you so far because on some level, the fact that I read about one book every 18 months. Because I do read sometimes. Like this year I've read the book Here I Am by Jonathan Saffron Foer. It's a 500 page book and then somehow when there were 50 pages left I just got bored and I couldn't finish it and I didn't read the last 50 pages. Yeah. Oh, this episode is turning into me and turning into like some really deep, deep self-loathing because it's like, I feel like I'm talking about these really, really shallow things that don't even make sense and that don't even communicate, but I'm talking about them and they're triggering all these bad feelings. So it's like I get the worst part of every, the worst of both worlds. Like on the one hand, I'm creating a terrible podcast episode that doesn't help anything. It doesn't help me and it doesn't help you. And on the other hand, I'm making myself feel worse. Oh, it's really, 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 really bad. This episode is really, truly dark night of the soul over here at the old sparkling headquarters. Maybe we should just run away from our emotions by drinking another sparkling water. So this is from the brand, The Bitter Housewife. You know how I feel about them bitches. I love them bitters and soda I want to apologize for calling them bitches because I think the people who make this are probably all women and um I don't know I think I have to do that thing that libtards do and that libtards got really good at during the Trump presidency where you like just tell yourself like it's okay that I feel fucking horrible right now because things aren't actually good and it's like oh god Cardamom. This water is cardamom. Zero calories, cardamom. Only zero calories is even what it says. Oh, cardamom is so bitter. Oh, cardamom on its own is like, ooh. That is like, you forget a a tea bag. You forget black and green tea bags in a thing of hot water for like four days and then you take the tea bags out and you you drink it and it's like the most astringent bitter over um not percolated what do you do with tea steep over steeped tea you've ever tasted like just immediately coats your mouth in complete 100 percent international bitterness unit 1000 bitterness units just straight scoville but not scoville bitter Whatever whatever the bitter equivalent of Scoville is, wow, that is way too bitter. That is undrinkable. Oh, I tip my hat at you guys for trying, but I wag my finger at you guys for the end result. That's not good. I think I feel bad about everything this week, and I think it does not help that politically and just the world does not feel good. And I'm waking up to the fact that Everything bad in the last 10 years that's happened in big things in the world, I've always tried to cushion it in my mind with stuff that's in the end just wishful thinking. I'm like, oh yeah, Donald Trump won the presidency, but that's all right. Because now everyone will actually run, we'll run the experiment and we'll see how terrible that is. And then everyone will wake up to how terrible it is. And then we won't do that again. And it's like, it never plays out the way I want to. It's never good. It never works. People love it. People aren't like me. People like terrible stuff. And then now, we're overturning Roe v. Wade and we're turning into fucking Namibia over here. We're turning into Zaire. I don't know, that feels really racist to say it like that, and I I don't want to do that. That's not the comparison I want to make. It's like, <laughs> It's like Sebastian has this thing where he's like, Sebastian is this um, Sebastian doesn't have his own opinions He's just this cold-brained observer Who makes these really cold-hearted Robotic observations about stuff And one of the things he does is like Whenever Bernie Sanders is like In America We don't even have the internet connectivity of The Czech Republic. He's always like, you understand that the Czech Republic is like, not that shit. Like, you're fucking insulting the shit out of the Czech Republic here. The Czech Republic is a pretty fucking decent ass country. And they got some pretty good internet connectivity. And it's like, what is this comparison? Anyway, I don't even think I'm capturing the hilarity of Sebastian's observations there. Oh, uh, nothing is coming together today. But what was I saying? Yeah, I mean, me saying now we're turning everything into Zaire is a, just such a terrible, racist Bernie Sanders comparison because it's like, what's wrong with Zaire? They probably have probably have great rep- reproductive rights over there. Um, yeah. I don't know. I try to cushion it for myself by being like, look, I can't be this person who projects my own values onto everyone on earth. Just saying like, just because I think that abortion is just more healthcare. And it's like, we should just find this middle road. The Clinton, uh, uh, the thing I always, I've always thought it was Bill Clinton who said it, but someone this week told me it was Hillary Clinton who said it, that we should make... um, the, the three key words for abortion is that it should be safe and legal and rare. Like, that's the middle road that we should all go for. Like, we should push for all these different things that make people not have to have abortions. But who gives a shit about a fucking person talking about this this week? The point is that, like, I, don't, I can't project my values onto everyone else. I have to, on some level, just believe in democracy, as the higher guiding principle. And I have to just allow, like, if people keep voting in pro-life Republicans, then I have to just accept that the people want pro-life Republicans and they want pro-life policies. And if they don't want that, then they don't, like, if they don't want abortion rights, they don't want abortion rights. Like, I can't be some fucking guy just wandering around going from country to country shitting on people for for not taking care of themselves the way I want them to take care of themselves. It's exhausting and it's like, it's extremely narcissistic and... But so then I have this feeling, then I my way of cushioning that is to be like, so they'll try this now and then they won't like it and then they'll fix it. But it like never works out like that. And on some level... I have to just do that libtard thing that we did under Trump where we were like, everything sucks and we just have to be fucking depressed this week. And that's how I feel. I feel so bad. There's a war, there's a war and the war is not good and there's a president and the president is very old. And there's a Roe v. Wade and the Roe isn't very weighed and And it's just very dark. It's dark out there. It's just very dark out there. I hate everything. But more than everyth- anything, I hate myself, and that's that's the big one. Oh, God. Yeah, I was hanging out with Katie yesterday and then we talked a lot about just relationships and she's like kind of going through a breakup and when we were hanging out a year ago, she was kind of going through a divorce and we're trying to figure out like what, so what do we do, you know? And it's, um, and then after we were hanging out, I stumbled onto an episode of the Lex Friedman podcast, which is the most recent episode where he interviews a guy called, named David Buss. And it's this guy, this crotchety old white guy, university guy, who's like the foremost evolutionary psychology researcher. He just wrote the book, Evolutionary Psychology, that they use in college. And 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 it's, in a big way, it's about human evolutionary psychology and mating preferences and everything about that. And it's, it's like a very, on the one hand, I talked to Sam about this on the one hand uh, this week and... And, and we both felt like it is a really boring perspective to talk about your own, like the shallow way to do it is really boring to be like, okay, so the reason I like bitches with big tits is because that implies that then we can have kids and they can feed those kids with the big titties. And it's like, that's like a basic, the evolutionary perspective on why we pick our mates is the basic thing is someone, something everyone is um aware of and then when you try to apply that yourself it easily turns into this extremely shallow, very, very boring very uninspired thing that's really sort of a dead end. It's like a logical dead end where it's like, yep, I guess it is like that because it is like that and it's so there's no interesting take there but then this guy who's the crotchidiest and most well informed and more, most up to date on the literature about <clears throat> That stuff he did actually—it was interesting to listen to because he did have a lot of things. I mean, I guess I recommend this four-hour podcast, but but I'll also cherry-pick the two things about it that I thought was interesting. And it's like, first of all, it's just pleasant to listen. I I really find it pleasant to listen to college people that just use the most complicated language for stuff that you like. We're we have a colloquial way of talking about stuff, but the like on the streets, we might talk about nature versus nurture, but he didn't use the word nature versus nurture. He was like, the interviewer was like, you think this is, you think we like big butts because of nature versus nurture? And then he's like, yeah, it could be because of mutational load, but it could also be because of environmental insults. And that's how you say nature versus nurture in the ivory tower of academia, mutational load is what decide, because you can't say nature because everything is nature. Mutational load is the most correct term. How much of a thing is because of your mutational load? Load sounds so sexual there. Um, And how much is because of, Environmental insults is so nice, too, because it's like, it's not everything in the in- environment affects you. It's the stuff in the environment that insults you, <laughs> that, that, that affects you. It's such a, God, I love those words. Those words are wonderful. But so, yeah. One thing, here's the two top-line things that I'll say about it that I thought was new to me. It's like, for a long time, we were sort of in this... We we, we deferred to the philosophy of, like, you can't judge a book by its cover. You can't look at a person shallow on the, their shallow exterior and, and feel like you know a lot about them. But the truth is that we're actually extremely good at taking information from physical appearance and then knowing a lot about the physical health and the compatibility and the mate ability and the fertility of a person. And that's just sort of like, that's an interesting thing to just come to terms with. That it's okay to just look at someone and to accept the truth that just what they look like actually tells you a lot. And it's very full circle because that's where we start out as kids, you know? I think it's just true, probably. I don't know. Ugh, That feels like a dark thing to say because it's all... Then it's like, so Tinder where you just swipe quickly through a bunch of people. So that's the best way to do it, huh? That's great. That's awesome. You just get one photo of someone and you're like, yeah, I know everything about this person. Next. Oh, that's dark because I'm more associate with the person being discarded there than the person picking, but I don't know. The scarcity is imagined, but imagined things are real. I don't know. The other interesting concept that I came across in this Thing that <clears throat> that I'll pass on to you is like it's interesting to think about how um in monkeys and stuff ovulation is obvious it's it's visible like when a chimpanzee lady is ovulating her I don't know I don't remember but like her pussy swells up and it's all red and hangs out of her body or something and you can see it with the naked eye and she like smells and screams so with your nose And your eyes and your ears, you can tell that she's ovulating. So a chimpanzee male will, when she's ovulating, try to impress her and do the whole song and dance, you know? But the thing about humans is that we have evolved invisible ovulation, which is a really key thing in our society. Because the reason it's invisible, because it is invisible. I've actually talked to... Oh, A bunch of girls at work, we were talking about this recently, how it's like, do men secretly, subconsciously know when we're ovulating? And I was like, yeah, we probably do. But the truth is that we don't. Like, we might have subtle cues or whatever, But, but the truth is that evolutionarily, human females do everything to hide it. Because... If you know when we're ovulating, you only have to be nice to us when we're ovulating. And then you can be shitty to us for the rest of the period. But if we keep it a secret, you have to be nice to us always. Boom, human society right there. The whole thing. The entire A to Z of humanity right there. Then bitches keep it a secret because then we gotta be nice to them. And then we gotta pair up and just have a relationship. Yeah. I don't know. And then the other thing they were talking about was just reputation. How, like, reputation is this prime, like, primate concept. Reputation is completely basic. And we worry about our reputation when there's harm to our reputation, we do everything to fix it. And it's like, that's, I feel like such a prisoner of that. I feel that very, it's such a practical ever present prison. So I stand before you here today, a naked man. And I tell you that I don't read, I'm not a smart man. And I don't read and I don't want anyone to, If you think I read, then I feel like I have fooled you. And then I feel like I'm living a lie and then I'm an imposter. And then I have to live in fear of that being revealed. But if I just reveal it myself, then I realize that no one gives a fuck. And if I reveal everything, then I can be free. And I can just be Joachim, and then someone can be like, let's mate. I don't know. I don't know. I just want to run away from everything. Let's drink the last water Casamara Club. This flavor is called Alta. Damn. Damn, this is a spritz. This is their take on a aperitif spritz. Aperol spritz. Hmm. Yeah, that does have that bitters. Bitters and citrus. Bitters and citrus and fizz, like an Aperol spritz. Yeah, that's pretty fresh. I'd drink that. I would love it if I could go to a bar and be sober and they would serve me one of these. And then I could find someone to mate with. Am I getting hyper-obsessed with that? I think this was... That's what this episode turned into. The mate selection episode. The mate scarcity fucking... The scarcity problem. God, I wish they would just tell me when they're ovulating and I wouldn't have to... Oh, God. I don't know. There was this other concept that uh, the guy was talking about, David Buss, where it's like... Um, men and women in long-term relationships, there's quite a bit of infidelity. And men only 30% of the time develop feelings for the person that they're having an affair with and want to turn that into a relationship, whereas women 70% of the time develop feelings and then want to turn it into a thing. And it's like, for men, it's more of a thing where you're just trying to get a lot of people pregnant. But for women, it has this... Like, there was an old theory that it was about how women want to get genes from one person and resources from another person so that in long-term mating, they would try to find someone with resources and then they would try to um, have an affair with someone with good genes because we want to like get pregnant with someone with good genes and then get the resources from someone with a lot of resources, like a sickly old rich man. Um, but the more updated hypothesis that they're finding more proof for is that because evolutionary psychology is in in its sixth edition and every four years, there's more and more data. The most updated understanding is that women cheat because women are always looking to level up and change out their partner to someone better. And it's like, God damn it, dude, that isn't, that isn't very uplifting. As a man that just wants to nest and just wants to, like, have a quiet, calm life where I, like, have fun with someone and we just, like, build a life together where we chill and have fun and don't worry about stuff. The idea that all women are hardwired to always be, like, low-key looking to upgrade. That's tough. That's not nice to think about. So, to summarize. The socks that I want where I just wanna chill and have one sock, one color sock the socks are everything I want is always discontinued. I don't know I was trying to sound funny there, but I'm just not feeling very funny today <laughs> I'm not feel I'm not feeling very funny today okay okay guys, that's the whole episode. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. I'm now going to go to work, and there's someone staging tonight to the working interview. They're going to hang out for an hour, and then I have to decide if they're good enough or not. Great. Maybe judging someone will make me feel better. <clears throat> Maybe be pay- being paid to be judgy is probably going to really pick this up. I've really practiced my ang- my judgy voice by judging myself in every moment and it's very easy for me to direct that voice outward and judge other people so that's what we'll be doing today for 18 bucks an hour great thank you guys i truly love like if you if you're a person and you listen to all the way to the end of this boring ass depressing episode then i mean this truly when i say that i truly love you as a person like my heart swells with love for you as a person and that's not a joke and also if you listen all the way to this end then hey maybe you recommend the podcast to one of your friends you know i never say that but i said it now so hey maybe just send this podcast as one of your friends you know all right thank you for listening and i'll see you next week